Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to another episode of 100 Words or Less, the podcast. I'm your host, as always, Ray Harkins, back with another week of awesome conversation for you, the casual or fanatic independent music slash culture consumer. Thank you. The guest this week is Mr. Glenn Harvey. He is a drummer for a upcoming band called Moose Blood. This is part of my uh, shedding the spotlight on a band that might not be on your radar yet, but I promise within a year from now, they will be, and they could potentially be your new favorite band. Just going to go ahead and put that out there initially. More on him in a minute. Let's get some business out of the way, and we will, uh, yeah, have a lot of fun. For those of you that have been donating to this show, I cannot thank you enough. I mean, it's unbelievable that people feel the compulsion to be like, hey, here's 20 bucks. Here's 100 bucks. Here's five bucks. Here's two bucks. It does not matter to me. Basically, what it's doing, it's covering the costs. It is paying my producer. It is paying for the microphone that I am talking on. It is paying for the monthly fees it costs me to give this show to you for free. So if you're listening to this and you're just like, you know what? Toss a dollar down. That's great. You're covering yourself and some other people. If you're tossing $5 down, that's like next level. It's incredible. So anyways, donate to the show on the right side of the website, 100 Words Podcast. Do that and it will help out greatly. Two people I want to mention in particular. Robert Castillon? Castillon? I, I always will mispronounce last names. That's just a reality. Thank you very much, Robert. I appreciate it. And Tom Catalfamo. I will never pronounce your last name right. But uh, it's cool because when people send in these donations, they also send in like, man, there's this awesome band from my local area that I think you need to you know, check out. And it just kind of gets that conversation started where it's like, normally I may not have ever heard of this particular band or artist or whoever that they're recommending. And again, that is why I do this show, to talk and interact and connect. It's so much fun for me. So thank you, you two, for donating. You are awesome. And propertyofzack.com, visit them, our media partners. Something pretty exciting with them coming very soon, within the next month or so. I'm, not, I'm just going to tease it. Just put it out there. Review the show. Go to iTunes, type some sentences, drop some stars. It's been a little slow recently. You know what? I'm disappointed. For those of you that listen to the show regularly, let's do this, okay? Let's review the show. I, I just need that from you, okay? Like I said, it makes the show more legitimate. It pops up the iTunes charts, and yeah, it just helps out tremendously. And then email the show, 100wordspodcast at gmail.com. I'll respond to you, or actually, I'll say promptly. I'm pretty good about my email. So email, let's hang out and talk. One more thing before I wanted to dive into the conversation with Glenn. You know those people in your life that are just, are, are in it for kind of a fleeting moment? So I'm going to take you back to when I was, uh, gosh, maybe I was 18, 19 years old. Can't exactly remember. There was this girl that lived down the street from me. And I don't even know how we met. I think it was one of those things like she was pulling into the neighborhood. I was pulling into the neighborhood. We kind of gave each other like a, like a what's up nod. Not like a, hey, you're hot sort of thing. But just like a, oh, you seem to be into some cool stuff. And for whatever reason, her and I started to hang out. Never romantically. Maybe I had a little crush on her. She was a little bit older than me. But she blew my mind. So here I am, you know, essentially a punk and hardcore kid. Uh, honestly, not very cultured. I had exposure through, you know, obviously music and these different political ideas and all that sort of stuff. But what she did, we went to L.A. one day and she took me to the Museum of Contemporary Art. And there was an artist named Barbara Kruger, who is a world-renowned political artist. Incredible work. She had a display there. Basically, this girl was only in my life for about maybe six months. And then I, she moved. We didn't keep in touch. This is pre-social network, mind you. So she introduced me to this amazing artist, this amazing museum. 
We also listened to, I'd never listened to Belle and Sebastian. She exposed me to Belle and Sebastian, a lot of other cool indie rock stuff that I just, uh, I was becoming familiar with via, you know, bands like Texas is the Reason and all those, uh, you know, rev bands that uh, were my gateway into non-aggressive music. She popped into my head recently because I saw a Barbara Kruger exhibit elsewhere. These, these impacts that we make on one another's lives. And sometimes we're in a person's life for like a brief moment, but that impact will just resonate in the future and you won't have any idea what will pop up into your head. It's just so cool. And especially when it comes to art and culture, it's like these, these little jumping off points that one person can give you are just so unbelievably special and can just send your life off into some completely different direction that you never would have even thought about, or it'll just open you up to a new set of experiences, a new set of thoughts. And oh man, it just gets me so excited. And I love that I can still experience this and meet new people such as you, the listener who are recommending cool stuff to me to listen to, to read or whatever. I just love that. So, you know, don't take those people for granted that kind of, you know, come in and out of your life that introduce you to cool stuff, because ultimately that's how we build our repertoire of how we deal with the world, of how we understand our place in it, how we relate to one another. It's just, it's incredible. So yeah, thank you, Lauren. I can't even remember her last name. Even more sad, I can't look her up right now to like thank her. Yeah, Lauren, that's all I got. So anyways, let's talk about Glenn. Glenn is the drummer for this band called Mooseblood. They're from the United Kingdom. They are on a record label called No Sleep Records. They are incredible. It's one of those bands that just I, I listened to and immediately fell in love with. It wasn't like, a, oh, I got to listen to this like maybe two or three times, but it was just an immediate thing. And so what I did was, uh, you know, start to listen to them a little bit more and start to get to know the guys as I, uh, I do some work with No Sleep Records. And there are certain bands that you just feel like have this interesting kinship where it's like you can tell that they genuinely love one another um, and they genuinely love being creative. And I don't know, it's just it, it made me so inspired to want to speak to Glenn and kind of get the story of himself and, you know, the band and all that sort of stuff. So anyways... Mooseblood is incredible. Glenn is an amazing drummer and a very good human being. So we discuss some cool stuff. Like even if you don't give a shit about his band or anything like that, we talk about some pretty interesting stuff. Like the main differences between the US and the UK. Like there's this huge divide, not only geographically, but in music scenes, in the way that music is perceived. It's super, super interesting. So anyways, here's my conversation with Glenn. I will talk to you afterwards. Yeah, obviously, I always start these things off. It's just like my first personal like introduction or impression. I don't even remember. I mean, I'm fairly certain that it was Stu who you know showed me Moose Blood to begin with. I think just as like a just as a dude to a dude, like oh, I think you'd like this. And it was one of those things where it was like there there are always certain areas of the world that I pay attention to like musically, and the UK has always been something that's been like because it's just such a weird environment. Yeah, it doesn't like. It produces bands that are like, you know, clearly have no attachment to like a scene, but become like a scene band, you know, and like yeah, are yeah. immediately, whatever. I've been mean, using a band like Bring Me the Horizon, like they obviously have worked for years and years and years to get to where they're at now. And they came from a scene, but then there's the second and third wave of the, the carbon copies of Bring Me the Horizon yeah. that like, I don't know, it's just so weird. And then it can produce bands like, you know, like you guys and Departures where it's just like there. I mean, even though, you know, Departures obviously 
<laughs> technically isn't from you know like yeah, that. Yeah. But close enough. Though. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but it was just so it's always it's always weird to kind of see there's such a you know it, for such a small island. Yeah. <laughs> how so many weird things can can, can kind of come <laughs> out of it. Um, but yeah, so it, I just whatever. I remember listening to it and it was just like, oh wow! Like I didn't know that that style of music had kind of made its way over there, so to speak, and not like yeah. from an American like <laughs> being naive about it, but just like a, oh, because generally speaking, either the UK kind of is out in front of something, and they're you guys are starting something, yeah. or it's like you know maybe a year or two behind of what's happening with America. I don't know. So is is it weird for you to kind of like put your your own band's perspective like on a worldwide perspective or is it weird for you to even like compare yourself to other like what's happening in the UK yeah it's weird for everything <laughs> like, <laughs> to even because I remember the first the first ever review we got of like the Moving Home EP yeah was like uh, it said something about the promise ring and I was like Jesus like that's amazing that yeah. we didn't even get compared to that because it, it wasn't even in our heads like he texted me like a year before the band started asking if I wanted to play drums in like a Tiger Steel kind of emo band like, sure and I was like, nah, man, I'm really busy, like, doing other stuff. <laughs> like, I don't have time for that. And he waited until I was, like, done with the other bands. He texted me again, dude, start the band with me. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm so glad that he did that and waited for me. But, um, yeah, and then we started this up. And I think we were always just thinking, like, brand new Take Back Sunday, Tiger Store kind of thing. Right. And obviously we all listened to, like, Knapsack and Mineral and everything like that. And that's the... When we started getting reviews, those were the influences that people were, like, noticing somehow. Right. Somehow through the music. And I was so stoked on that that I didn't even, like pick up on it when we were recording I was just like I want to put out a cool like punk rock record right and it came out like everyone was saying 90s emo and stuff like that and I was like I'll take it but <laughs> right right you're like so, that wasn't but... yeah that wasn't like the initial like approach of what you guys were yeah yeah doing it just kind of came out yeah definitely and yeah, so is, was... it, is it is it weird for you to like because you know, obviously like I mean the UK in general pays obviously very close attention to what's happening in North America but you, did you so we're, I mean we're, you obviously were aware of all those sort of bands um, but I mean there isn't necessarily like too much of a scene in the UK for that type of stuff it's like you guys and like maybe a handful of other bands right? yeah it's, it's getting there like yeah. there's, there's a well at the moment it's, I don't know, are you in that group on Facebook that like the, what was UK emo oh no no, no. It's, it's ridiculous yeah. but it's, it got like to a point where they were like I don't know, 5,000 people in it and wow. it just became a bit over the top. But um, through that, you know, it's like more and more of the like up and coming bangs that you might not have heard of. Um, right. And there's there's a lot going on, especially the DIY side of it. But yeah, for us, it was like when, I remember one show when like Annabelle and Dowsing came over and we got asked to play it and I was so stoked to be able to play with like bands like that. Any bands on like County Lucky Stars or Top Shelf or anything like that. And, right. Um, so it's always cool to be asked when there's bands that you like that come over to be able to get a chance to play with them and stuff it's awesome right um, yeah you, you, feel, you feel that like because I'm sure like regardless of how big the actual show is you feel like it's a big deal because these bands are over here yeah 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 for sure it's the fact that especially now as we're like getting I don't know a bit we're building up a bit of an audience like in especially when we play London like it's always good shows there mm -hmm. um, just knowing that the bands that are coming over from America are really on a close level to what we're on and we wouldn't be able to afford to do that yet so like, right. knowing that they've done it is like you are losing money on this probably and I really appreciate the fact you've made the effort to come here right. and like are sleeping on floors every night and stuff like it's ridiculous but yeah it's really cool yeah no that's cool I mean it's it, it's cool that you have that perspective because I think a lot of the times I mean I know that I, I mean when I was younger like in bands toured like the concept of touring didn't make any sense to me because like you just feel like oh a band is playing 
Like a band's playing down the street for me. You don't really think of like what it took to get them there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then it's like when you start to put in context of everything, you're like, oh my gosh! Like especially from you know touring the UK, where it's like, oh yeah, flights and like how to get around and like all these things that once you start to put it together yourself, where you're like, I see yeah. how much work this takes yeah. to like get just to get to the show. Yeah, it's like wait, you got into the country with t-shirts and records as well. <laughs> like how did you manage that? Like, totally. It's ridiculous. Yeah. How did you, how did you, how did you get past that past customs? <laughs> and and can you tell me how to do that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, but you yourself were you you were born and raised in the UK or like what 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 city specifically? I was born in Canterbury, which is where we're based now. Um, okay. And where is that in in relation to like? Like it's in Kent, which is like just like southeast of London. Okay. Um, and I I was born in Canterbury. I live in Herne Bay, which is a town just outside of it. It's like right on the southeast coast. Okay. So you got a nice stony beach there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, you, you have the beach to look at, but yeah, not not to enjoy at all. <laughs> right. Just be like, well, that's not only is it freezing cold water, <laughs> yeah. but there's we have to scale a cliff in order to get down there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, so we're, like everyone else in the band, I was always like based in Canterbury. So okay. It's cool to keep that sort of homegrown thing. I really like Canterbury. So it's a cool yeah. City. What's what's the, what's the vibe there? I mean, is it is it is it a big enough town? Is it like a suburb or like what? It's a big enough town. It's like a um, it's got a university, so it's like a I guess oh, like a college okay. town sort of thing. Um, okay. But yeah, it's it's weird in terms of the music scene because it's it's had a really good scene in the past. Like um, there was there used to be a scout hut thing, um, mm-hmm. which. I think it was like a hardcore DIY venue. Oh, um, okay. Whenever they could hire it out for that, and we had like American Nightmare and Converge play there in like the early 2000s. And stuff oh wow! Like that. Um, and then there was nothing for years. And then in like 2010, there was another little boom, and like a lot of the UK hardcore bands because it was really a really good scene. Then, right. Um, came through, and then we lost that venue. They had a dubstep night, and something happened, and they got <laughs> shut down. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, fucked dubstep. Yeah, you're <laughs> like. Damn it! Those kids, those, those dubstep kids ruined our shows. Yeah, it sucks. But um, yeah, Canterbury can be really, really good, and it's good like supportive community there as well. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, because I, I mean, my only it's like my only frame of reference because I've been to the UK like two or three times, but it was like it's like I know Brighton, and I know they used to do a festival up in in the northern area, uh, like I think it was called Ghost Fest or something. Oh like. yeah, yeah. What Leeds, city? Would be. I think so. Yeah, Leeds yeah, yeah. Manchester, I think. Yeah, yeah, just outside Manchester, yeah, I think, yeah. Because yeah. I remember when we were driving up there, because I was with the Architects guys, we passed by the Manchester United Stadium, and, oh, right. and I was like, oh, that, that's that's a sport that America doesn't care about. <laughs> yeah. I know Manchester United, but I don't know anything about it. We were flying in on the plane uh, as we were getting into Los Angeles, because it was night, everything was lit up, and yeah. we were just seeing, like, baseball stadium up, baseball stadium, and I was like, this is crazy, like, <laughs> You're like yeah, we have none of those. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, you're right. There are so many of these. It seems like every block there's a baseball stadium. We don't have one of those. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. I never thought about it like that. My frames of reference are only like these these random towns, and it's like it, everyone to me is so distinctly different. Like in ha- such a small space. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. it's weird because it's like you can travel whatever. Leasing Southern California is an example. There, you know, I mean, LA is one thing, but then it's like if you travel to Orange County or San Diego. It's like, it all kind of just feels like one big city. Like, you can yeah, see yeah. little elements that are different in pockets, but not as much as, like, what I've experienced in the UK, where it's just like, oh, wow, this is really rural and, yeah. you know, farming community, and then but then they have shows here, I guess. <laughs> like, it's weird. I don't know, yeah, but it's just... it's. We were saying the other day as well, because we've driven around here a little bit, just from being at the No Sleep office and coming up here and stuff. Right. 
they're saying you can you can tour the UK in five days if you want to. Right. You come here like I can't imagine touring the US. <laughs> it seems insane. Like we're in the same place still as we were when we got here, and right. we've travelled like hours. Like I don't understand it. Like, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I can't grasp how big it is. They're saying you can literally tour one state in like a week here. It seems like we right. could anyway. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, it's like yeah, you can do a few shit. You can do you know whatever four shows in California, and then it's like but yeah, then like some of the most just mind-numbing experiences of driving across like texas well, like you can, nothing to right like, yeah. you can fall asleep and then you can sleep for like eight hours and you'll wake up in the same state <laughs> and it's like yeah then you can drive across all of the uk yeah, yeah. and drive into the water for another like three hours <laughs> it's just crazy yeah it's it must it must be overwhelming to have that like, yeah like we've done that as well My, me and mark were in a band called take courage like a hardcore band who tour with departures okay um, and one of the, we talked with them. The last show was in Glasgow, where they're from, and we left the show and drove home, which is end to end from like Scotland to right. bottom of England. And we got back at like six in the morning or something. And we're just like, this is the dumbest thing to do. But like, we're home now. I just get to go to my bed and I'm done. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, and that's basically what it's like touring America. Yeah. <laughs> So you have that yeah, but with... that's just to get from venue to venue I, as well. That's, that's like, okay, we need to leave now to get there for like sound check tomorrow. Like, yeah. I can't even imagine it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got to leave really early. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so so okay. The Canterbury is is kind of a college town. And do you have brothers and sisters, or what's your family structure like? Two brothers, um, both older than me by quite a bit. Um, one of them lives in Scotland. So the whole rest of my family are Scottish. Um, okay. My parents moved down with my two brothers. I think the year before I was born. Okay. Um, because my dad's work. Okay. And uh, yeah, my eldest brother Ross lives in Hong Kong at the moment. He's like wow. a proper globetrotter. He's been everywhere. Crazy, it's like, awesome. Um, what, does he, what does he do for work to, to, to take him to these places? He he used to work in the Hard Rock Cafe. Um, oh, he was okay. like fluent in Spanish, um, and he was picking up uh, Catalan, which is, I think the other language they speak in oh, Barcelona okay. as well. And yeah, he's he worked in Hard Rock, I think, in London, and then in Barcelona. Wow. And he worked in a hotel out there, some five star hotel, and that's how he got his job in Hong Kong. I think is do links with that. Sure, sure. So that's that's. He's like, been all over it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm pretty envious of him. <laughs> um, and then Mark lives up in. Uh, he's a middle brother. Lives up in Scotland with his wife. Uh, they've been there for like a few years now. Okay. He's just had a baby last year as well. How much older are they than you? Five and seven years. Or something. Oh, okay. So yeah. So they. So, so were were you were you a uh, a, a pleasant surprise to your parents? Like were they <laughs> intending to have three kids? I, 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 well, apparently, uh, what was the story? My mum really wanted a girl, <laughs> but yeah, three boys. She's bummed, man. <laughs> you were you were the last chance. Your mom yeah. was like, "I would love to have a girl." <laughs> All right, well, we have you, Glenn. Yeah, that was a waste. Wasn't it? <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, is it? I mean, I. I once you kind of you know whatever once you have a kid on your own and like you just start to notice the patterns that exist within families where you're just like oh if you see it's like whatever some kids are two years apart and then it's like and then if there's like a you know like what you're experiencing where it's like a five to seven year gap you're like i think i know what the parents did (laughs) (laughs) you just start to notice that you're like oh yeah 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 and it's not a bad thing because you exist yeah i mean they put up with me as well (laughs) You just you just weren't a girl, and that's okay. That is okay. It's it's a fifty fifty chance, obviously. In growing up, your brothers were kind of already either gone or out of the house, and so, well, not out of the house, but like you were so far disconnected that you weren't incredibly close with yeah, them. Yeah, or? my my oldest brother Ross was definitely um, one of those people because he's an MC as well, so he's really into drum and bass and stuff. Oh, okay, um, and he's like 
I'm completely out of that world. I don't know anything about it, but I think right. he's quite well like known in that scene. Oh, wow. I've seen like festival flyers where he's quite high up. So he's oh like, really? But literally, I haven't got a clue. But so, I but when you say MC, like a DJ or like like a I don't know, like like not, a host or not, something, not a rapper, but like oh, a, you know, okay. with like the drum and bass, like he's oh okay, yeah. yeah. But, um, Shows yeah. how much I know about that as well. Yeah, no, same man. <laughs> he's he's offered me to come to like when he lived in Barcelona. I went out there with my mom to visit. I think I was like sixteen. Yeah. So like, yeah, you should come to the show, man. I was like twenty one. Plus, and like, yeah, you're like, I, I know you can get me in, but it's not gonna be fun for me, right? <laughs> like, this is gonna be a little weird for me, yeah. I guess when he was like 18 is when I was like, um, at an age where I would have noticed him being around a lot more, but he was always sleeping through the day out all night, and I just never really saw him that much, right? But, um, right, right. It's cool when he because obviously now I get to see him whenever he comes back, so he gets to make the most of hanging out and stuff, sure, which is all good, yeah. You get to kind of like <clears throat> it is interesting when you do have that age difference because you you end up connecting later in life mm. because you've both kind of gone on your own ways. Yeah. Ne- like, neither of you influence each other, but you can kind of come back and, like, compare notes where it's like, wow, we were raised by the same parents but have, like, done such completely different random <laughs> yeah, stuff. Yeah. But, like... I hear things, like, my mom will say something every now and then that I'll be like, oh, that's true. I didn't never notice that. And, like, it, Ross used to skate all the time and mm-hmm. I was like, I love that. And I, I would always just watch him and his friends and now I started skating because of him, I think. Um... We never skate together, but right. it was like, yeah, by the time he, he left, I he just planted, I was like, I'm going to do that. <laughs> right, he planted the seed in yeah, you, yeah. I was like, oh, that was, like, that was, I had fun watching that. Yeah, yeah. That's um, cool. And he had uh, an acoustic guitar as well. I don't remember him ever playing it, but he had an acoustic guitar with a Union Jack painted on the front of it, like an Oasis stuff. <laughs> right, of course. And uh, and like, I think I got into Oasis because of my brothers as well. It's probably the only musical link that we have between us, it's uh-huh. just that one band, and that got me playing guitar. I learned Wonderwall was the first song I ever learned by Oasis. Classic. Classic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so he had quite a big impact on me without me even realising it. I think, right, yeah. Really cool. Yeah, but it, like, yeah, going back, like, you, you wouldn't have realised it until later in life where you'd be like, oh, I see why. Yeah, like, I yeah. see why I did that. Yeah, yeah, I see why no one else in my family is into music, but you're an MC, and like, right, <laughs> right. maybe there's something there. I don't know. And what did, what did your parents do as you were coming up as far as uh, their professions are concerned? Uh, my mom, when I was younger, when I was in primary school, was a secretary at the school that I was at oh, okay um and she's a midwife now she went I went to college um and she went to college at the same time she quit her job and went back to college to okay. train to be a uh, midwife okay and uh she works really hard for it and uh, so that's what she's doing now I think she's really happy with that that's okay a midwife is a person who helps deliver children correct yes okay <laughs> is that different here no 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 I mean no I mean it's just I, I don't I don't get the impression. I mean, does she like work in a hospital or does she do like? Does uh, she she deliver- does like house calls and she works okay. in a hospital as well. Yeah, she's literally like all over the place. She works the hardest that I know anyone to. That's work. amazing. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, I mean, I mean, a lot, I, I have no idea in the statistic, but it's like most people have kids in the hospital, and I know. I mean, I know that there's a a cottage industry built around people having home births and yeah, having yeah. midwives and stuff yeah. like that. But it, I, I just it never really occurred to me like you have to go to college for that. Like, I, I guess, I, yeah, it's like, why would you hire, like, yeah. just a person that says they're a midwife? Yeah, like, need a job, man. Totally. I guess I'll be a midwife. And it's like, well, you have to know how to, like, do all the things to deliver a child. That's crazy. I just never, it never even occurred to me. It's like, oh, yeah, the people in America probably do that as well. Your dad uh, my dad, I, I still don't really know what he did. We, he, we moved down here, or they moved down here before I was born because of my dad's work. Right. It was something, I think, to do with insurance and okay. banking and stuff. And sure. um, now he works as a postman. Oh, okay. Um, so um, he's at, like, retiring age, roughly now. But, right, right. Um, yeah, he's working as a postman in Canterbury. Um, so yeah. is, is he is he the... Uh, is, do people... Because I always get this, this, this notion of, like, the postman in regards to, like... He knows everyone's name and, and like, <laughs> his route and stuff like that. And he's, like... I don't know if he's like that or not. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> 
I, like I said, it's just it's an old notion of yeah, just like yeah. I maybe just because I love male so much myself, and I'm like, <laughs> oh yeah, I know my male woman's name. Like we're cool. There's a guy in my records. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I'm just like maybe if I know this person, they will make sure that yeah. the records get through okay. Maybe that's my logic. But. Yeah. <laughs> That's incredible. As you were kind of growing up, like, what did you find yourself, you know, getting into? Like, did you, you know, care about school? You obviously, like you said, skateboarding kind of entered your life later. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, you, I think I was like 13 when I started skating, maybe. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't get on well at school, really. Yeah. I got, <laughs> I sort of, I think I struggled through, I managed for the most part, but then I remember in the last year of high school, um, they, like, over the announcement speaker thing, they called, like, a bunch of people into the, the main hall for a meeting or whatever. Yeah. And I heard my name, and I was like, what the fuck is this going on? I don't get called out on these things usually, what's going on? Right. And we went there, and it was like, yeah, so you guys are basically not living up to your potential. Oh. <laughs> and that's like all I said, and I was like, shit. <laughs> like, that's not good. And that was it? They uh, just they they, basically they, called they, you out to encourage you? Yeah, yeah. Um, no, they were like, you're going to have like a meeting with the tutor like once a week oh. to check that you're on track, sort of thing. And I messed that up as well. <laughs> I did pretty badly. Um, but I ended up, I think I got... I wanted to go to college for music because oh, okay. the music teacher, who was amazing, who was at my high school, um, mm. left the year I would have finished high school to go on to like we have sixth form, which is like essentially two years of college, but you stay at school to do it. Oh, okay. Um, and I really wanted to do that, and I think three other people signed up to do it, so they cancelled the class because they were like, "Oh, because there wasn't enough interest." Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah. I had to stay on to do um, like a business course okay. to get the grades to be able to go to college because uh, I didn't. Okay. I got really bad grades. Um, sure. And yeah, I went to do college. I uh, went to college to do music, um, and met a bunch of cool people there. And I think that was when. Like, were you what? What specific? Like, were you trying to like? Because I know there's obviously di- different disciplines in the colleges of music. Like, were yeah, you yeah. wanted to like be a performer? Like, yeah. hey, I want to play drums. Yeah, like, yeah, that's okay. what it was. In I think the year before I finished school, I started playing drums because I was in a band with Kyle, who's in Moose Blood as well. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I played guitar and only ever guitar before that, and he would play guitar as well. And he was like, "This band needs a drummer." I was like, I'll play drums, why not? Like, I like Blink-182, I like Travis Barker. So I was like, I'll play drums, I'll try and be like him, why not? Right. Um, and it was way more fun. So I just, like, stuck with it. I went to college, literally on the first day of college, so like, uh, stand up, introduce yourself, and say what you play. Uh, and the whole time, everyone in the class was saying it, I was like, am I going to say guitar or drums? Like, I don't know. I honestly oh, had to damn. That was like, that's yeah, like yeah, the That moment. was like, yeah. And I was like, and I think maybe six people before me at said guitar. I was like, I play drums, fuck it. <laughs> like, I'm yeah. just going to do it. I can be in a band if I do that with these other six people at least. Right, right. So, um, yeah, that was like the moment where I was like, I guess I'm going to do this. And then, <laughs> that was like, the, yeah, the, you were forced to make the switch. Like, yeah, yeah. I was every- like, that guy's definitely better at guitar than me, so I was going to play drums. <laughs> Man, that must <laughs> so many thoughts that were swinging around in your yeah, head yeah. for that very moment to just be like, oh my gosh, I can play with, I can play in bands with these other people, but like, yeah, that's, that's funny. Yeah, uh, so you've only, you've technically only been playing drums for what five or six years now then uh how long is it how long am i uh, like nine years i think oh, okay nine years okay yeah, i'm getting yeah. yeah yeah um yeah different colleges i know yeah. Different, yeah, different i i always forget that yeah different college and university and <laughs> like you said music wasn't a very important part of your your childhood in the sense of like your family structures like your parents didn't really yeah care my about parents it. uh i think my my mom and dad listened to like the beatles every so often and they sure. had their own like records to listen to but it wasn't like pushed on me at all. Uh, right. I remember my mum as well actually saying to me, when I was in primary school, we had, um, there was a guy who taught piano lessons, mm-hmm. and one of my friends always had piano lessons, and I would always bug my parents, like, I really want to learn to play piano, it would be awesome. Yeah. And my dad wanted me to be into sport, 
and I didn't know this, but my mum told me recently actually. Um, she was like, we were just sort of waiting for you to get into like football or something, or like soccer. Right, <laughs> yeah. yeah, footy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, footy. I was like, man, dad must have been bummed because I was just like, I want to play piano the whole time. Wow. I just couldn't get into it at all. And then right. I went to um, the high school and I think on like the first day back, I was like, yeah, they do guitar lessons. I would love to learn to play guitar. And my mum was like, well, let's just do it because he's going to bug us if we, if we don't go with this. So yeah, I owe it to my mum really for caving for, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For, that's funny that they were resistant for you wanting to take piano lessons. Yeah. <laughs> like, so many parents, like that's like part and parcel. Like you have to do that. You're just like, you're, you turn, you know, 10 or 11 and it's just like, oh yeah, you have to do a piano lesson. Like you have to. And you were like, let me do that. They're like, no, 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 no. You're going to get into <laughs> yeah. football. We're yeah. going to hold off for the minute. Yeah. My brothers are really into football. So I think that's where, where that came from probably. Got it. But, um. Yeah, and then after that, I guess I got into like Blink One Eight Two and stuff like that when I was like twelve. Okay. Um, and then it all like built up from there. Really. Sure, sure. From what I've noticed in the UK, is that you know, I mean, most of like the the music magazines and obviously the basically all the press that is circulated around music over there is usually all like they're either trying to stir some sort of controversy up. It's always like very sensationalistic. Yeah, it's like um, tabloid music magazine. Totally. Yeah. Like, and I mean, even ones that are like obviously like reputable and huge, like, mm. you know, they, they do quality work, but the work that they do is focused on that. It, yeah. And I find it so interesting because it's like, there's very little attention that's actually paid on the music that it's creating and more so the people that are creating the music, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's just interesting because it's like, on one hand, that's cool because obviously you get the sort of whole picture of what a band is, but then takes away from like, what do they even sound like? It's definitely weird, yeah. I saw it the other day, I was in a music magazine yeah. who I think... Run for cover do that thing where they give like someone in a band on their label fifty dollars to go out and buy some records. Yes, of course, right. Um, there's a, I think a magazine in the UK gave someone like fifty dollars or a certain amount um, from a band to go out and buy some clothes and write about it in the magazine. Wow. And, and you just sort of think it's a music magazine. Right. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> right. What shouldn't this be in a fashion magazine? Yeah, exactly. Shouldn't this be somewhere else? Yeah. It's like there's a clear difference there between. <laughs> yeah, the yeah, yeah. And yeah. so you're so so yeah. You got into Blink. Like, were, were you paying attention to like? everything that was happening in North America or were there bands in the UK that you were like really gravitated to as well? Uh, I don't think there were any bands in the UK really. Really? Um, I remember uh, I think one of my first ever cassettes I got was like some pop like boy band who were from the UK okay. and that was when I still had like my brother's old uh, cassette Walkman. Sure. Like, yeah. The foam head. Yeah the huge yellow one. Yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah of course. Um, but yeah no, I remember getting uh, a friend gave me the All the Small Things cassette tape single mm. and I was like this is amazing. Right. Um, I don't remember exactly when it was that I got into like more and more music like that, but I remember there being it was like a whole year assembly um, at our school, probably the first week or so that we started in year seven. It was like the first year of secondary school there, right? Um, and they had bands from the year, years above us playing songs to be like to show what the music department can do and stuff like that at the school to try and get you into different things I suppose interesting and one of them covered Nirvana smells like Teen Spirit and it was the first time I'd ever heard it and I was like this is the best thing ever <laughs> like yeah. a high school rock band covering it was the best thing ever to me like, like they're, they're onto something here yeah yeah this band's got something <laughs> but um, yeah that definitely switched me on to like Nirvana and I got really into the whole grunge thing and uh -huh. all, all that other stuff and there was there was a music channel I remember when we got Sky TV, because we didn't have it for ages, um, right. we got Sky TV, there was a music channel called P-Rock, which isn't around anymore. Okay. Um, it was literally around for like two months, then it disappeared, then it came back for a month, then it disappeared again, and it was, there were no adverts on it at all, it was just funded by whoever it was behind it, who right. was like, I want to play Lagwagon, Pennywise, oh, wow. uh, Tsunami Bomb, uh, like Descendants videos, it was like the best punk videos back to back non-stop and I was like this is incredible I literally come home from school put on that TV channel and just watch it yeah, until like, my like, brother kicked me off the TV right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Um, so that definitely had an impact. Um, and then that was around the time of like LimeWire and stuff. <laughs> right. So yeah, you had you had the, you had the ease of access yeah, to where yeah. it's like all I need is a name. Yeah. All and I need is a name and some images, and then I'm able to kind of like yeah. draw it in from there. Yeah. Because yeah, I just find it's it's always so interesting to me like the different cultures of how they're able to like consume music, you know, and like how the way that not only their specific towns but their countries, you know, completely inform you know, how it is that they're able to consume, you mm. know, music. And it's like, it's so, all that stuff, it's like, you know, whatever. I mean, Nirvana is like so easily accessible for us here in America. But then it's like, you know, you, you had to have a high school. Like, yeah, yeah. And that was like, that was your entry point. It's like, oh, I was like, well, I don't know. Like, I just, I don't know when I would have found out about yeah, that. Yeah, that would have been weird. <laughs> and so that, that wasn't a talent show or anything? That was basically just showing like it was, what... Yeah, it was literally okay. just showing what the school had to offer. And Interesting. I, was, I think that must have been when I was like, yeah, I want to play guitar. I want to be, <laughs> be right. that guy. <laughs> um, but that, it, it's funny because it's like, I mean, you strike me as a very like soft-spoken, like kind of reserved person. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And it's funny that you would immediately, like, were you like that at that age as well? Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay, I, pro I presume even more so back yeah. then. <laughs> yeah, this is me out of my shell right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're out of your shell is me defining you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is fine. But, and I always find it interesting when people that are like, you know, I mean, you're an introvert, I, w I would classify you as. So you're introverted, but you see that and you're like, I want to do that. Yeah. And probably not so much from the, like, maybe I want to be on stage, but the... I just want to create in some capacity. Yeah, definitely. Or what was? I remember actually um, talking about that underachiever thing. Um, yeah. My one of my tutors saw me. We had like a every now and then, if it was um, a charity fundraiser day or whatever at school, oh, okay. we'd have like school concerts, and I would always want to be like in one of the bands that played whatever it was. It was always just covers, Blink and, sure. and stuff. But um, yeah, the, the teacher saw me playing that show. And then that show, the, the yeah, of course, tour. the show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. Um, and then the next day was like, because I had real trouble in exams. I would just panic and like I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I'd stress out over it if I'm staring at a paper and I'm just shut down in front of me. Yeah, yeah, I just yeah. completely shut off. And he's like, I don't know how you have the confidence to get out there and do that on stage in front of hundreds of people because it was a busy hall as well. It's literally yeah. like most of the school kids would come in. Sure. And uh, and you just panic in exams. And I was like, I don't know what it is. It's, it's something different about playing music that yeah. just takes you away from all that. Right. So I think that was. I found that and I was like I want to do this because it's it's just an outlet to, right to you yeah you feel like you can you can kind of step into this step into this I mean role or I mean I wouldn't even say character but like you can step into this and feel comfortable yeah where you wouldn't feel comfortable doing anything like that in any other context of yeah, your life. Yeah, put me on a stage and somebody to talk, and I'll be like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, doing anything in front of anybody besides <laughs> playing guitar, like I wouldn't, I'm not interested. Yeah, um, yeah, and I, I always find people too that it's like, especially from like a guitar perspective, people have been like, you know, that's like their shield in a way. Yeah, for sure. Where yeah. it's like they feel like just that simple separation of like you know whatever four inches of wood <laughs> it's like that's all they need in order to be able to do that yeah. did you feel any of that yeah definitely okay um especially like behind a drum kit <laughs> <laughs> that's true yeah that's, so that's a lot more <laughs> yeah i get a lot more in between <laughs> yeah. instead of high school you call it primary school or no primary school is like primary school is like elementary okay yeah, elementary like first through six or first through so, fifth yeah. or something yeah. You, yeah you finish primary in england at like 10 or 11 and you okay. go on to um high Sec school or secondary school yeah. okay until you're like 16 and you can go to college after that okay so 16 is when you're technically supposed to start going to university or college uh, college it, okay yeah you have to there's a two-year like buffer usually of okay either, that, uh, what you were talking about as far as like yeah yeah okay. of either it would be like college or sixth form and sixth form is literally a college class essentially but you're staying at your school and you don't have to wear uniform anymore so <laughs> interesting it's, it's a bit of a weird system but um and so uh, 
it, when you say you don't have to wear it, do all high schools have to have uniforms? Yeah. Really? Well, I don't know that all do, but certainly most of them do. Most yeah. of them. Wow, I didn't know that. Really? Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, it, you, primarily here in the States, it's usually like private schools or like, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, there, there are things called charter schools over here, which are more like very, they're public, but they're highly focused as far as like, you know, federal funding and stuff like that. So yeah. they usually wear uniforms. But, like, most public schools, like, yeah. don't have any sort of regulation. So, like, the, you know that, like, the smart kids over here are probably in uniform. Is yeah, that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, like, the, yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> yeah, the, sm- the smart and or the more, like, privileged yeah, kids, yeah, like, yeah, you yeah. know, that are going to private school. That's interesting. So, that's, yeah. that's funny. That, especially just because, the only reason I mentioned that is because you, you said, we don't have to wear uniforms anymore. And I'm sure that's, like, so many kids... They feel that experience of like, finally, I can crap this thing yeah. off of me. That's hilarious. And so then, as you were, as you started to go into like secondary, like, did you, did you find anything that you were passionate about beyond like you know music and playing stuff, or like did you have any sort of vision on what you wanted to do besides like the music? I mean, like, was music music was that was your pretty focus. much it? Yeah, I remember um, I got really lucky because, like I said, we had like the best music teacher on maybe the second year because um, we once you get to secondary school, you have to start playing like keyboard or piano or whatever just for oh, music classes. Okay. You have to know like to be able to kind of read the, and yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and my music teacher was always really supportive and if you wanted to you could go into the music block on like lunchtime and just mess around with keyboards and stuff which is you had like the music geeks hanging out there and you had like whatever other people hanging out it was all clusters of people sure Uh, yeah I think on the second year I remember um, the headmaster of the school came into our music class and my music teacher was sat at the back talking to him and I was just playing keyboard with everyone else and he pointed me out and he was like Glenn is like very talented I can't remember what he said but it was like he's got something and I, I remember hearing it and being like shit you're talking about me yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like what um, and after that the headmaster granted me a bursary for guitar lessons for an entire year so I didn't have to pay for my guitar lessons oh, my parents were stoked and I was yeah. just like this is amazing and that, yeah. that was when I was like this is like what this is something I would really want to like pursue because it's just it's incredible to play music right right so, yeah like you, f- you felt something awaken inside of you that yeah. was like this is this is what I want to focus on yeah definitely and that's I'm sure it's interesting too because it's like you know most most people especially that obviously end up getting into you know independent music it's like their focus is never on like oh I gotta take guitar lessons like it's like oh I just figured it out myself yeah, like yeah, I start yeah. playing you know whatever power chords and like that's kind of it yeah and so it's funny that you have an intro point being very technically sound <laughs> well I mean whatever yeah, yeah, no. but I mean but that, that, that's the intention yeah like you yeah. were being raised with that yeah. in your mind without being you know I mean I, I would dare say like polluted by the idea of like oh it doesn't it doesn't matter that I don't know how to play my instruments like saying at the, that, right at the, <laughs> I've never had a drum lesson in my life because uh, I did I, I did six years of guitar lessons right and when I finished them I was like okay I know some scales I still don't know how to write a song because I, for whatever reason I, I was in bands yeah. throughout school we could cover whatever songs we wanted to. I could learn a song by ear. Sure. I didn't have it in me to write a song. And yeah. it's still now. I, I try every now and then. I've got a few things written that I've like sort of kept hold of and like, I'm right. never going to put out there. <laughs> yeah, you're like, there's a few things I have in my yeah. closet. Yeah. That's it. They're just for me. Like, like, yeah. But, um, but yeah, I couldn't write a song. And um, as soon as I started playing with Kyle and that other band, yeah. I was like, drums, you just, you just hit stuff. It's amazing. You just get to hit stuff and it sounds good. Right. Like, I'm going to do this. And yeah, so I've never had a drum lesson. Right. Just do watching other people and listening to stuff. It was like, I think yeah, so it just really kind of, way to yeah, it just felt naturally yeah, natural yeah, to you. I guess what I'm trying to say is the fact that I think it's cool that you didn't have that experience because I do think that there, there's something to be said about being good at your instrument. Like, and yeah, I, I don't, I think a lot of people, especially like I said, that come from the, you know, punk and hardcore world, it's just like, 
oh, it doesn't fucking matter. Like that, and and I, I the sentiment I agree with. Yeah. But I don't want to witness you doing that when you've been a band for five years and you're just like you can barely put that together. You know, it's like <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, there's no charm in it anymore. Yeah. It's like you've grown out. Like no, you do that when you're like 15 or 14. That's fine. But you know, when you're whatever. 22 years old and you're touring the country and you can barely, like you don't even want to tune your guitar like no one I mean no one really needs to see that yeah, like you know yeah. you're not really contributing anything <laughs> per se to the musical landscape but it's just cool that you had you've had you had to enter it from a different um, yeah, uh, yeah. focal point so when did independent music start to kind of you know even swallow you up more as far as like you know going to like shows that weren't concerts and that sort of I think my the first concert um, was Blink on Two, and okay. that obviously Blink led on to a lot of other things like um, checking out like Fat Records and the Punkorama compilations and stuff like that. Yeah, um, yeah. My mom and dad drove me up to Wembley Arena with my friends to go and see them, um, and I dyed my hair blue for the concert Amazing. <laughs> because you know punk rock. Of course, dude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was like in the like seats at the back. Like, right, right. So far but they'll away. notice it. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, that was my first concert, and then after that, I was trying to think the other day because we got asked for that um, the humble beginnings thing. Right, what right. My first um, like show was, and I had a really hard time remembering it for that as well. I know there was a there's a local show. Um, I don't know if you know a band called November Coming Fire. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, they played it the year before I went. I remember um, sitting on the beach in Home Bay with my friend, saying, "Oh, there's this show today. Like we probably should have gone to it. Like NCF, like this band." Yeah. Um, literally the week after that I checked them out and I got massively into them and they broke up right and uh, I was gutted but then I saw them when they got back together a few years later um, but yeah that show was called Friends of All Nations mm-hmm. and that was literally a DIY just a guy putting on like a hardcore rodeo right and uh, the lineup for that year was ridiculous and we went the next year and it was incredible as well yeah um, and it was just like like a two stops on a train from my house oh wow um, to the venue and it was it was perfect there's an all day of nice weather in Margate which never happens as right. well. this is right on the coast so yeah so that was probably my first like DIY show and then after that one of the bands that played that day were called Attack Vipers mm-hmm. who were like a hardcore band from the UK okay. um, and they had a song I don't want to say what it is I was in a band before <laughs> that, that was terrible it was my first hardcore band uh-huh. um and we named ourselves after a song that they played that okay, day. Yeah. So I was like, this is amazing. Um, of course. And that was that definitely led on to like everything else that came after that. I think. Okay. So yeah, it was, it was a cool, cool show. And so like once you started to get into this stuff, was it a was it difficult for your parents to be like, oh, like it's great he's into music, but this is some weird stuff. <laughs> yeah. Like because and especially too because they, I'm sure they had an interesting experience with your brother doing a lot of you know, stuff that they didn't understand as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so, like, they had it from two completely different angles. Yeah, with with Ross, my brother, he, it was sort of, he just, he did his own thing. He just disappeared, came back in the morning, and it was like, <laughs> we know that you're having a good time, you're, like, doing whatever you're doing, it's fine, like, just keep at it, sort of thing. I remember the first time he was in, like, a drum and bass, like, group, which I didn't even know was a thing, but uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, they were out in Barcelona, and they made a music video, and because uh, they were doing quite well. And the first time we saw that was just like a few years ago when he was living out there. And I think that was a, like the moment where me and my parents were just like, oh, okay, this is like a legitimate thing. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Doing. Well, that's funny that, that it's funny that you had that experience too, where yeah. you were just like, oh yeah, whatever, my brother's dicking around with some <laughs> yeah. stupid stuff. And then you're like, oh, like other people are finding worth in what he's yeah, doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny. So um, you, you had a parent's experience as well. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, but yeah, with uh, as soon as I got into hardcore, my mom was pretty bummed, I think. <laughs> just because sure. like it went from... I was like, I would learn like Red Hot Chili Peppers songs on guitar, and she's like, that's like, just nice music to listen to. And then like, it would be like Converge, and like, I don't know, whatever else it was. I can't remember the first hardcore bands I got into, but yeah, um, just loud stuff that she couldn't make out the words to. And of course, she, she was she was pretty bummed. Right. And uh, every time 
my hardcore bands in the past played anywhere locally like if if I was stuck on getting a lift there or whatever they would always help me out and they're really supportive in that way mm-hmm. no chance I would ever come into the venue though. oh I can <laughs> imagine yeah they would never do it but um, this like as soon as we started this band from the get go pretty much they've been like really really supportive um, they're like completely into it my mum still every now and then is like I don't understand why he has to shout the lyrics and I'm like you've heard the bands have been in before <laughs> like he's not shouting in this right so. you're like hey like if you're looking at all the stuff I've done, this is by far the <laughs> yeah. least aggressive. Yeah, if any, if anything was to be on the radio, it's this, like, as opposed to anything before. <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> I presume your first band you, like, didn't... What was the first band that you started to, like, tour with, you know? I mean, when I say tour, it's, like, obviously, like, you know, like you said, you know, play shows outside the... Yeah, yeah, you know, We're, um, it's, it's weird in Kent because there's... Um, so many little local venues right. that will put on shows for local bands to try and literally get 15 people in for the night to keep the bar open and so you can you can survive not survive but like right. but yeah you, you can, can play, you can, out play a lot. you can play a lot of shows in is a it, it's usually it's area. usually at bars yeah 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 is um, it is it 18 plus or 16 plus um, it or depends it... on the place, okay. but um, most of them are sixteen plus. Okay. Especially because a lot of the bands are sixteen plus at that right. time. Like it was like we started um, bands in college. And looking for shows was always like local bars and stuff, and they would just let us play in there for the night and bring a few people in. But it was <laughs> right. it was never anything great. But um, the first band, like touring wise, would be in Alaska. That was I played bass in that band, uh, okay. which was like a hardcore band. Um, it was on Fist and Air Records as well. Oh yeah, yeah sure. Um, and we toured the UK with a band called N Rain. Uh, we put out a split seven inch with them. Oh, okay. And we went to Europe with them. We did like three dates in Europe. Um, oh okay. And played with. Uh, naysayer and full of hell out there as oh well. sure, sure that was awesome just to be able to go to a different country and play with good bands it was like right. such a treat for us as opposed to playing with like the local bands every week or sure sure did yeah. that kind of, did that kind of start opening your eyes up to be like oh wow like this is not only is this cool but like this is so strange being somewhere else like yeah it, that first the first tour we did was the weekender in um it was mostly Germany. I think it was Germany and Belgium. Mm-hmm. And you get treated so much better in Europe than you do in the UK as well. Like, I don't know what it's like in the States, but... It's we... pretty It's pretty terrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, I guess, I mean, mainland Europe and, like, Japan and Australia, they completely take care of their bands. I didn't know yeah. the UK was... The UK is probably similar to over here, I'm guessing. Yeah. But it's probably maybe a little bit worse. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, because basically you're just left, like, as a touring band in the States, like, you're just kind of left to your own devices. Yeah, like, You show yeah. up at a place, like... I think maybe it might be different because of the level we were at. It, like, sort of still didn't matter at that point. Sure. But literally, we, we got to Germany the first day, and the guy was like, oh, I've cooked, like, a vegan meal, and this is where you're staying tonight. And we were like, yeah. sweet. <laughs> like, we didn't know right. any of this was going to happen. Like, we brought money for food and, like, sleeping bags, and we were expecting to get, like, a hotel or something that we of can't course. afford. <laughs> like, right. So, yeah, that was amazing. The UK, I think, gets better as, like, especially with when American bands come over, the promoters uh-huh. obviously know they're making a big effort to come here, so everyone's willing to help out for stuff like that. Right, it's willing to like take care of them more than they would, like, yeah, yeah, definitely. Just whatever the local band, or yeah, whatever. yeah, definitely. You know, as as you started to you know kind of move through, because I mean, it sounds like you played in a million hardcore bands before, like quite a few. <laughs> and so, were you just kind of like like oh we'll get we'll get Danny to play? Yeah, like yeah, you were just kind of the default to dude that yeah. people. I think I was, for from when I left school till. Probably the start, just before the start of this band, mm-hmm. um, I was always in at least like three bands at, at one time, right. and it would be different things. Um, like I was in a band with Kyle before, um, that was like a pop punk kind of thing. We played, we were together for like two or three years maybe, but, uh-huh. but like barely ever practiced. Wrote an EP that didn't get released and played one show with Basement in Daylight and then broke up and that was perfect. It. Nailed yeah, it. Yeah, Nailed yeah. It. it was like all we needed to do, like the perfect thing for us. Right. Um, and then I was in yeah a bunch of hardcore bands. Um, my first hardcore band. 
were absolutely terrible and we did a split CD with Departures and that's how I first like met those yeah, kids. Yeah. yeah. Um, I actually went up to, my brother was living in Scotland at that point, I think it was about 2008 maybe. Okay. Um, I just finished college, I went up to a festival called Tea in the Park, which is like a oh, massive, yeah, huge festival, a massive yeah. festival in Scotland. Um, and Departures were playing, I think it was like an introducing stage. Okay. And I got given a little business card type thing that just said Departures for fans of Gallows and like Glassjaw or something like that. And yeah. I was like, oh, cool, I'll check them out. And it had their stage time on. I remember um, Trainer, I'm pretty sure their guitarist, had bleach blonde hair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hope he listens to this. <laughs> bleach blonde hair, some sunglasses hanging from his t-shirt and it was like a bright yellow Outbreak shirt with the sleeves cut off. Okay. And I was like, these guys are cool. <laughs> Straight away. You're like, come on. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, and just hearing Kino shout and I was just like, this is perfect. This is like the best band. Um, and yeah. then I went home and uh, that band that I was in were looking to do a split and I just said to Jamie at Fist in the Air, I was like, you need to get this band's departures from Scotland and that's where it all like started with those guys. Yeah, yeah. It's cool that we're like, still like best mates with them now. Right, right. Yeah, that you can still, that you can grow in your own personal endeavours but yeah, like, yeah. still remain close. I mean, yeah. I mean, as as I've grown older with like in music, it's like some of the most meaningful things that I've ever created have just all been just relationships. Just yeah. the people that it's like, you could not see a person for like a year, but then like jump right back into it and just be like, oh, dude, like, yeah, it's, yeah. not only is it good to see you, but like, let's do the five minutes of catching up and then, just, like, <laughs> and then we're right back into it. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, exactly. You're, what I always find interesting, too, is the way that the impressions that are left, not only like culturally, the way that, you know, maybe you view America, but then also like the music that comes out of America. Like, so what, you know, what, what impressions like, maybe not so much like what you're experiencing, like, what your impressions are right now, but, like, what sort of things did you look at where you're just like, oh, man, like, Amer- like American bands are the best, like, you know, what, like, how did that stuff all kind of sit in your head, and, like, what, you know, the views of America in general, now that you've obviously had some small experience over here. Yeah, yeah, um, I wish we could have gone to a show over here, because that would have been really cool to see. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I think we were, we were really stoked on, like, the whole um, Philadelphia scene, when, like, mm-hmm. the amount of bands that are popping up from there as well, and seeing... Like footage, I remember seeing footage from just basement shows and being like, "This is incredible!" Like we don't have that back home. Like maybe there's like one or two places in like England that can do it, right. but it's such a rare thing, and it's always just shows for best friends, and that's it. Like, yeah, you yeah. Just see a video, and you're like, "Oh, that would have been cool." <laughs> so like, that's yeah. interesting. So it's like you the the concept of just like the not so much a show, but just the the intimacy of like playing in a basement and seeing that basically everyone looks like they know each other. Yeah, yeah. It just seems it just seems so fun to be able to do that. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Wish, I wish we could do that back yeah, then. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's true. I mean that's such that's a distinctly East Coast slash northeast thing. Just yeah. because, I mean, you know, here in California in the West, we don't have basements. <laughs> like <laughs> And if we do have basements, like, you know, the sound ordinances, like, cops come, like, almost yeah. immediately. It's like, you can't do house shows here. Like, you can, to a certain extent. Yeah. But, like, you you, you can do one, maybe, under the radar. Where was the, um, oh, what was it? Um, was it, it might have been after Sound and Fury, the, there's, like, a Tiger's Jaw. Oh, the Tiger's. Mori. Yep, yep. That yeah, yeah. was insane. That was the video from that, just people on, like, the garage roof yep. and stuff. Totally. That was insane. just because, and it was insane, too, because it was just, it was, like, literally word of mouth. Because yeah. the bands were just, like, I think one of the most heartbreaking things I've ever experienced was, I mean, not only that whole incident, but having Carl from Earth Crisis come up to me and be, like, hey, we just want to play. Like, do you know where to play? And I'm just like, here's this, like, icon for me. Yeah. And I'm looking at him in the eyes, and I'm like, you are, you know, 40-some-odd years old, and you just want to play a fucking yeah. show, and you can't do that, and that's awful. But, yeah, no, then that that was, I mean, yeah, I, I know that that got shut down pretty quickly. Yeah, like, I mean, yeah. I think, you know, bands were able to play, like, two or three songs or whatever. <laughs> 
but uh but it's yeah, cool that that, like that is amazing it's cool <laughs> that, that that was like that that's the impression that you got where it was like oh wow that's like that's cool that's yeah like what you attach to yeah what about like you know at the in impressions that you had in regards to like you know the, i mean other certain areas of, of music that you were you know paying attention to that was like oh wow like that's a really important you know whether what band or like you know area of the country like i just i just i find it so because you're so isolated like, yeah <laughs> in, in so many respects and i find that because of that filter of isolation i find it interesting the people like what people pick out of that you know especially yeah. from a north american perspective yeah it's hard to say really because i think we i'm trying to think of how things came together because obviously as we were getting into music uh, mm-hmm. like me and my friends anyway it was like going from the transition from like myspace and mm-hmm. all the myspace bands and you see like the, their top friends and you get into the whoever was in that as yeah well. whoever's in top eight of yeah, course. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah um and then like Bandcamp after that was quite useful being able to look through the tags and stuff on that. Um, sure. But it's it was hard to... I don't know that I specifically would have been paying attention to a certain area or what was coming yeah. out of a certain area or just like taking in literally whatever I could. Right. Like, and that, that's what I find so interesting too because... Well, you, you said you're 24, right? Yeah. And I, I do find like the one... There, there are so many things that... I mean, obviously the internet has done amazing things for music and the you know how easy it is to get your music out there Mm. the the thing that i find interesting too is the fact that it's like it's difficult to have a context so it's like you know using you for an example it's like you were popping on band camp looking at tags Mm -hmm. and being like oh i like this yeah and like that that is where that's your first input as opposed to um you know other other things where it's like okay you found it's like oh wow like i heard there's a scene in in washington dc or whatever like using these these things you, you kind of build a context where it's like oh, I see all these other bands are friends or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, you, it's difficult to do that from, like, a Bandcamp page, you know? Yeah, yeah. And definitely. so it's just interesting that, you know, you, you were viewing it from the lens of, like, I just want to put as much stuff in my head as possible, <laughs> yeah. and then I'll figure it out as I'm able to, like, learn more. Yeah, yeah, just piece bits together. You're yeah. Like, oh, wait, they did a split with that band, and I know that band. <laughs> right, 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 right. So a lot a lot of internet sleuthing on your A part. lot of internet sleuthing, yeah. <laughs> and the, the, la- the last sort of thing I want to hit on was, the, you know, now that... Now that you you're in a band that obviously is like you said you know kind of you, you feel it's more real than anything else you've probably ever done musically yeah um, as far as like I'm not real from what you're creating but real as far as like people paying attention to what you're doing Definitely, yeah um, <clears throat> is it is it is it weird having all of the those is it weird having people pay attention to you Definitely yeah from the start it was yeah so we played our first show in October 2012 yeah um, and then I, I went to the last ever basement show last ever yeah last ever, last <laughs> ever. Um, uh, like a month after that and a guy like tapped me on the shoulder at the end and was like dude you in you in that band Moose Blood <laughs> I was like how the fuck <laughs> like, what is going on here he's like yeah man I just checked out you guys out the other day I heard like the demo or whatever he's like right. I'm really into it like I'm stoked to hear more and I was like that's ridiculous to me the fact that straight away Right. Like anyone knew who we were, it was insane. But right. um, it was, it's been weird with this band because literally since the start, we put the demo up, and like after a day, I had people who I didn't know like talking to me saying, This is something good here. <laughs> like, yeah, you don't really know how to process that when you've been in a bunch of hardcore bands no one cared about, <laughs> so, right? Right? <laughs> well, I mean, it's cool too because I think, like, just because since you guys aren't. 16 or 17 years old like i equate it like this i I look at like you know whatever you you look at a person or you look at a band that starts to be successful when they are you know whatever 15 16 17 whatever they're they're still in their teens in their formative years 
it's it's the same concept of like you know child actors where it's like if you're thrust into major stardom when you're you know 10 or 11 you have so many years to kind of navigate the weird alternate universe you yeah, live in yeah. and like you obviously see so many stories of tragedy that happens where it's mm -hmm. like oh they die of drug overdose or whatever when they're like you know 22 yeah because they've been you know in the limelight for so long and so you know it, it's interesting to hit it at an age where you're a little bit older you put your head screwed on a bit more. <laughs> right, right. Do you, do you feel that? Like, you, you feel like maybe it's weird, but you're able to kind of maybe process it easier in a I, way? Or? I hope so, yeah. But yeah. it is still weird. I remember, like, following Paramore as they were coming up sort of thing. Right. And always thinking, because, like, with every new band that would start and would go nowhere, I'd be like, man, Paramore are killing it. And then my age, like, what's going on? What am I doing wrong? <laughs> like, really? Then, yeah, it was weird. And then <laughs> it's one of those things. Every single band I've been in, I've been in it because it was what I wanted to do and, like, the music that I wanted to play and stuff. Yeah. And this time we started it it's me and Carl were in a band before that were doing this sort of stuff yeah um but I guess just not as well we weren't as committed to it um uh -huh. but we've just had so much more fun with this one and like every offer we get we just say yes to it because why not because we were in a position where we can at the moment like we get offered like odd shows every couple of months at the start and we just say yes to all of them which led to more shows mm -hmm. and just people paying attention and being interested in it was amazing straight away so I was like I definitely want to put whatever I can into this to see how, like, how we can get on with it. Right, right. Yeah. And do you still, so you still compare yourself to Haley from Paramount? Oh, yeah, every day. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so... I mean, right now I'm in Hollywood, so I'm getting close. <laughs> <laughs> right now. I've made it to California, yeah. so I, I must be doing something right. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it, it is, it, you always have those, like, the, the, th the funny thing I found out that, or I look at in regard to success, it's so funny because it's like, you, you once you hit a point where you're like, oh my god, I, I want to do this. Like, I'd really love to do this. Yeah. And then once you get there and you're just like, you, you maybe take in like 30 seconds of that moment. <laughs> and then you're like, but I want this next thing. <laughs> and it doesn't, like, it's, it's the endless, str like, it's an endless list of totally. one-upping <laughs> and and then it's like and then like I said when you do get to that moment it's like it, it is meaningless <laughs> it's like that work that it takes to get there it's just like oh 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 cool all right well what's next like, <laughs> like but but it, you you waited your whole life for that moment yeah, to like play yeah. that one show in front of four hundred people <laughs> yeah. and they're like that's gone that's in the rear view that, that's literally one of the things that happened like last year so with this band I've had lists of things that I want to do yeah. because I remember hearing uh, and I think it was uh, Evan from Into Over It on yeah. an interview somewhere saying about um, he sets goals for himself and he always tries to do it within like a year or whatever okay. whatever, he, whatever he sets out to do he's going to do it I was like that's kind of a cool idea and I just like set out a bunch of it was just dumb things yeah. but I was like Okay, so this year is for last year. I was like, I want to play a show with Tiger's Jaw. That happened. That okay. was amazing when that happened. Um, I want to play like certain venues, and we played like um, that funeral for friends hall. We got to do Electric Ballroom. Oh yeah, the biggest venue I've ever played in. It was ridiculous. Right. Um, and every one of them happened, and I was just like, this is insane that this is even a possibility. Right. But that the Tiger's Jaw show, I remember because we got offered one show with them when I heard they were coming over I was like we have to play because one of my old bands was meant to play with them the last time they came over oh, okay. but their their flight got delayed because it was snowing um, so I'm like bummed they were like one of my favourite bands and they're the yeah. best guys as well um, this time we got offered one show and it was in Glasgow and they could cover like half of our petrol and like that was it and I said yes. Yeah, <laughs> like, like, it doesn't matter. Yeah, sure. I was like, yeah, I'll drive eight hours to play at like 6pm to no one and then drive back home again because we have work the next day. <laughs> like, right. of course I'll do that. And then we got told we weren't allowed to do that because the, the funeral tour went through Glasgow like a month later oh. and we weren't allowed to book, like double book. Right. And then my friend Hannah, who I didn't know at the time, but we're friends now because she's an amazing person, just messaged me, messaged, like emailed the band. Like, oh, 
my friends in Tiger Store are staying at my house in Canterbury and I want to put on a DIY show in like a practice room, would you be up for playing? <laughs> I stared at the email for like 30 minutes like what the fuck <laughs> like, like yes we want to do that so yeah. as soon as that happened I was like that's one ticked off the list right that's there. amazing like, it was so but that was one of the moments where like like you say like it was almost the opposite of that like where it happens and you just write it off like for like a month after that I was buzzing at the fact that it happened I was right. like that was perfect like yeah, the you best like, way for it to happen right yeah. well that's cool I mean that's good that you, yeah. you were able to like revel in that moment for and be sure. like yeah. it's a great thing that we got to, that <laughs> yeah. I got to experience that and, yeah like, yeah yeah, yeah, like that's not going to happen again. So right. I expect that it did. <laughs> the fact that it did is incredible. Yeah. Well, then what are the what are the what are the next tick marks for you then, personally? One of them for this year was just to record an album. So right now it's getting ticked off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm, yeah, it's ridiculous how well this is coming together and stuff. Like I'm so so to get this out. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't want to say a copy of this. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> there, there, there's some good ones though. Okay. Are you, if, if we come back here at some point, another one's getting ticked off. Okay. Up. Getting up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure there, there's the obvious ones, but I'm sure there's the ones that you want to keep close to your vest. Yeah, yeah. Playing. One of them was playing with Brand New, and um, there was a, a festival, like an all day type thing in the UK called Hit the Deck. Oh yeah. That Brand New played, and a bunch of my friends' bands played it, and we were here, so we couldn't. And I was like. Uh... To be fair, I'm here, so it's okay. Right, <laughs> like, it's a good trade-off. It's, yeah, it's not like I'm working or anything and I can't do it. So yeah, it's a good trade-off. Right, but, um, right, right. Yeah, playing with Brand New is definitely on the list because they're like all of our favourite bands really in the band. I think yeah. That would be incredible. That's awesome. Well, I really appreciate you hanging out and yeah, doing thanks, this. And of course, dude, it was, it was fun. I, I, I could not turn down an opportunity <laughs> to have you on this. Being, being as you were a fan of the podcast before, I'm yeah. just like, oh, you're here? This is perfect. So yeah. I appreciate it. Thank you, man. There we go. There's Glenn. Like I said, just just nice guy. Super chill. Just It was a very nice conversation. We had that actually at their recording studio when they were over here in the States, and that was a few months ago, but uh, I had to get him on tape. And so I apologize if the audio quality is a little weird because obviously there is like a, I think there's a refrigerator in the room. There was maybe some guitar work going on. So, you know, recording studios are busy. But anyways, the producer for the show, as always, with me forever, he is never leaving my side, Tom Bridgefield. And visit propertyofzack.com, visit 100wordspodcast.com. So here, you want another tease? I'll tease you. This upcoming week is an artist, a tattoo artist named Dave Quiggle. He has done artwork for a million different bands. He's also tattooed probably a lot of your friends. Super interesting conversation. Let me put it this way. He was scared to do the podcast. Pretty crazy, right? So anyways, next week is him. Let's meet up there then. I don't know why I'm being so dramatic. <laughs> Until next week, be safe, everybody. What's the-